1: ny or text hope ny in new york
2: Uh. Uh. and what's up welcome in gc live monday afternoon episode west mitchell here chris clark as always we are presented by our good buddy clint hammond of movement mortgage 803-771-6933 is how you can get in touch with clint Head on over to ClintHammond.com if you're interested in learning a little bit more about Clint's background. Or if you were thinking about buying a new home, Clint is a mortgage broker right here in Columbia. Office is right over there across from Dreer High School. And uh, much like he's done with myself and my wife, he can help you uh, become a homeowner and sort of walk you through what uh, is sometimes a difficult process. Chris, uh, busy weekend, man. Lots going on. We have, obviously, the Jimmy Lindsay news on Friday. A very quick process for South Carolina in replacing him with Travion Robertson. And then, of course, NFL draft was going on. Um, probably some other stuff in there, too. South Carolina baseball, I don't know how much of that we'll get into. Maybe a little bit, but really a lot to catch up on.
3: Yeah, a lot, man. Um, very, very quick turnaround, as you said, from uh, the coaching search. Wasn't uh, a lengthy search process to land on the Gamecocks' new defensive line coach, who is, of course, a familiar name to all of us in the media and all Gamecock fans and Travian Robertson. So a lot to dive into there. As you said, uh, we probably got, gosh, you probably got too much football, West to get to even to dwell on baseball. But a disappointing series loss for South Carolina, although they were able to salvage a game three and stayed very high up in the polls. Number three. Still, and uh, the NFL draft, very interesting moves there um, as several Gamecocks heard their names called. Some did not hear their names called, but have teams lined up or tryouts lined up with teams. So uh, really exciting for all those guys. Some cool videos that uh, Gamecock football put out on social media as well. Just wishing those guys luck. But uh, where should we start? Maybe the draft, because since that started on Thursday night and lasted uh, throughout the weekend as well.
2: Yeah, it did. Um biggest news I feel like is Travian. Um tell you what, let's throw a curveball, Chris. I feel like this has not been talked about much. Okay. Let's go back to the Jimmy Lindsay news itself.
3: Okay. Yes. That's a good that's a good point.
2: I feel like that came quite a bit out of nowhere. Um you know, I do think we, we do kind of pride ourselves on at least trying to have an idea of what's going on behind the scenes with a lot of stuff going on in the program. And granted, you can't track it all. Like, it is impossible. Like, regardless, sometimes things are going to catch you off guard. And then, you know, sometimes things change. And, and a lot of times if a guy is leaving, you do, you do see that it breaks on the other end. Like, it breaks from maybe the school that someone is going to. Um, or just from college football media guys who like cover it more from like a big picture standpoint, that was kind of the case here. Um, you know, I always got the impression Jimmy Lindsay was like very happy at South Carolina. I think that was still the case. Um, LSU obviously had an opening at that spot at a little bit of a weird time in the year post spring practice. Um, what What did you get as far as, your feelings on like how or why this happened the way it did.
3: Yeah, I think you make some good points there in that, um, you know, sometimes like even if you look back in the last few years, you can think back to some of the openings that South Carolina has had or some of the openings they could have had that did not work out because they were able to keep coaches in the fold, you know. Um, a lot of times we get wind of that, hey, X school – has ex-coach on their list or they're actively trying to hire that coach like they have an offer out. And sometimes the coach ends up going, right? Um we saw that early in the Shane Beamer tenure with Mike Bobo and Will Friend, Tracy Rocker who went to Auburn, then immediately left for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh Des Kitchings leaving for the NFL. Um Mike Peterson to Florida, you know, there have been examples of that. And typically you get some kind of wind of the process of it happening. Right. With Jimmy Lindsay, it was a little bit different because it was kind of, Hey, they're targeting him. And then, Hey, it's done. Like it it was very quick, all in one, not a multi-day process. We've seen some others in the past at South Carolina where, um, you know, whether it's Pete Limbo, we've seen it with Justin step, Sterling Lucas. We've heard, some rumblings and sometimes more detailed than other times about a school or an NFL organization trying looking at making a run at that coach and they end up staying right. And sometimes we can report those details too. So this one was different. You know, the timing was interesting Wes, because Jamar Kane, uh, the assistant at LSU that Lindsay is replacing. Um, he left, I think March 23rd, something like that. And so Brian Kelly took his time with this hire. You know, he's had an opening for over a month. Um, probably was getting around the time where they really wanted to get a hire done because they're still in the middle now in the midst of the spring evaluation period. Uh, but he mentioned, you know, experience and development and, and the ability to recruit in the SEC is being important to him. So Jimmy Lindsay does have a pretty nice Rolodex West. He's even spot recruited some out in Louisiana. He's got ties in Georgia, as we know. And so, didn't know that he would be on the list for this job, but that's how it ended up happening. A quick turnaround in terms of, you know, the news that we learned about and then, obviously, a quick turnaround for South Carolina as well.
2: Yeah, incredibly quick turnaround as far as South Carolina hiring Travion Robertson. And, you know, man, I, I feel like this was just one of those situations where it was kind of almost a no-brainer for for Shane Beamer. You know, it seems like they obviously wanted to move fast, at least as far as – um That's what the evidence tells us. And, you know, I I imagine he'll be on the road here very soon. This is a time period where South Carolina's uh, coaches are out and about. Uh, You know, if you're on Twitter today, if you follow any high school coaches, you can see a bunch of coaches in the state of South Carolina are starting off their spring practices as well. So this is a big evaluation time for coaches. As Craig points out, Travian's wife is a gamecock as well, a former South Carolina student athlete um i saw you tweeted that chris track right
3: track and she ran the or did the pentathlon and was an sec champion in 2010
2: okay you gotta what's what is what is that
3: all right do you do you want a, ba- a breakdown of the pentathlon
2: well we don't have a ton of time but give me
3: you've got okay so you've got a, a race, you've got a race, which is, uh, according to my research, Wes.
2: Uh, you did, about, you did some research on this. About
3: 200 yards long. Well, I knew there were some throwing events in there, too. You also have the long jump, the disc throw, the javelin throw. Back in the day, there was a wrestling match. I don't really think they do that anymore. There's no way. Anybody who, hey, let's let's put, anybody who can tell us without Googling the events The pentathlon will get a prize, and I'm going to determine what it is off the top of my head at some point. You got to put it in the chat.
2: Yeah, you got to put it in there within 30 seconds because if you don't, you're out there Googling.
3: So don't cheat.
2: Let's see what y'all got. Um, This just made sense, man, and I I think we talked about this on the 107.5 show, but sometimes you see fans want you to go higher a a Gamecock, right? And we always see that. It's always the, hey, hire this guy, hire this guy, hire this guy, because he played at South Carolina. In this case, I think it's an awesome bonus that Travian Robertson played at South Carolina. And, you know, I I think we had heard, I believe it was maybe even back with the initial staff, but certainly – with the opening that ended up going to Sterling Lucas, Travian Robertson's name had come up and I had, you know, heard there was a lot of interest on his end in that opening. He ends up at Tulane with Chris Hampton who is also a former gamecock who is now at Oregon. Well, so it opens up this time, I think it's a you got one more year of experience for Travian, a great season for Tulane. Had a couple of really good seasons at Georgia State as well as their D line coach. I think it just made a little bit more sense this time. And now, also, even though he is the defensive line coach, his primary responsibility will be those interior guys, which is obviously the position he played at South Carolina. It is very rare that something just makes this much sense. So I, I really, I actually commend Beamer for not overthinking it. You know, and going, just going out and getting the guy that makes sense.
3: Yeah. I mean, we know that Beamer is very um, concerned with fit. And when I say concerned, I mean, that's certainly not a negative. He is not going to look at a coaching opening and say, all right, guys, let's go get the, I got to go get the biggest name I can find, or it's got to be somebody from X coaching tree, or um, he's got to come from an SEC school fact if you look at beamer's staff it's kind of interesting with how it's made up like what it's composed of you have pete limbo who's been a head coach and a special teams coordinator Um, clayton white you know came from uh, western kentucky justin step has coached in the sec you know ontario hardesty came from charlotte Torian Gray has been the NFL and and multiple SEC teams, you know, Virginia Tech. So there's there's a mix there, and he's, he's not concerned of, let, let me go find a bunch of guys, and they've got to have SEC experience. Jimmy Lindsey had been at Illinois most recently, but had spent most of his career in the Southern Conference. And at Western Kentucky, he was there with Clayton White as well. Sterling Lucas came from the NFL, never been an on-field college coach. So he's going to just try to find the guy that he thinks – fits with the program, makes sense. And I think, Wes, one of the – some Gamecock fans may bring up this point. They may say, well, is Travian truly the best hire? Because if he had not gone to South Carolina, would he have just hired Tulane's D-line coach? I, I think that's kind of a fallacious, illogical argument because part of a coach's fit can be that he played at the University of South Carolina. That That's part of the appeal. That's part of the fit. Frankly, that's – part of why a guy can be more successful than if you just plopped him at another spot. If you put Travian Robertson at, I don't know, Georgia, maybe he's not quite as effective. In fact, Shane Beamer, one of the reasons that Wes, we probably all think he's been effective at South Carolina is because he has been at South Carolina before and had that experience. I think that helped, you know, kind of, kind of shape him here. Um, So, yeah, I I think it, it made tons of sense. He's been involved, like you said, Wes, before um, in in this process. Last time there was an opening, and the timing was just right. This time, it makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, it definitely does, man. So um, the higher official uh, news first broke on um, the on Sunday night. It is official now. Um, SouthCon putting it out this morning, and again, I, I imagine you're going to read a report or a tweet, you're probably going to see a high school coach tweet how he is um, out at their school at some point this week. Like, I I think this is going to move pretty quick. Um, Possibly lost in this, Chris. I did post a little bit of feedback on Gamecock Central. Hopefully people will go read it, talking to a couple of people just about Travian as a coach and, like, kind of trying to – I guess you would say fill in those blanks. Like, I think we've heard good things about Travian. I've always heard he's an up-and-comer in, you know, the college football ranks. You always looked maybe as a possibility of him ending up back in Columbia. But what is it about him that has allowed him to climb the ranks? And, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting and noteworthy hearing from a couple of people who have worked specifically with him Um, it was brought up to me that he's a detail oriented guy. He's heavy on technique and fundamentals, um, heavy on building toughness and mental toughness, physical toughness, um, that he understands small details and how important that is to defensive line play. Um, kind of felt to me just hearing those words. And I know some of those are buzzwords. Some of those are cliches, but, um, It did feel like many of the things Brad Lawing would tell you are most important when it comes to successful defensive line play, if you ask me.
3: Yeah, yeah. And um, there's no doubt that Travian took some of the things that he learned uh, from Brad Lawing and was able to kind of incorporate that in his own teaching. It's interesting, Wes, the Brad Lawing connection, obviously recruited him to South Carolina, coached him at South Carolina, And then I would argue gave him an assist in propelling his coaching career forward. Travian's first job after he got out of the NFL and spent some time out of football. He was a grad assistant at Georgia state first on field job at Albany state. And then Brad Lawing was actually supposed to be Sean Elliott's uh, D line coach at Georgia state. And he was for a time, but had to step away before he really, really got going. And Travian Robertson was the replacement for Brad Lawing there. So Long step away, kind of opened the door there. So, no doubt he's kind of taken some of those things. It, knowing Travian back in college and how he was, former team captain on the 2011 team, a great locker room guy, glue guy. And even if you look at him now, he's very similar. He's not overly demonstrative. He's not this huge, flamboyant personality or anything like that. He he has a business like kind of tone, but everybody that talks to him, uh, especially, I mean, you know, I'm thinking of people that work with him, Wes, high school coaches, recruits, uh, they all seem to really, really like his approach. So um, I think it'll be a little bit different. And it'll be interesting because this is not someone who's worked with Clayton White before. Travian will be getting into a new defensive scheme. The other defensive coaches will be getting used to him and how he does things. So I think that adds another layer of interest um to this whole thing.
2: Yeah, and, and Jimmy Lindsay and Clayton White certainly had experience together. And I, I think Jimmy was somebody that um Clayton very much trusted. So it, it's kind of interesting. Some of the hires have been more along the lines of in that particular case, I think probably Clayton White going to um Beamer and saying, Hey, let's go get this guy. Um, you know, with Sterling Lucas I think both Clayton and Shane Beamer are probably pretty familiar with him. Like there were some sort of overlap there from both the guys there. In this case, I don't know if there are any. I'm sure we'll find out if there are, if there was any prior. There may be some prior connection we're not even thinking about with uh, those two, but certainly this felt more like, okay, um, you know, Beamer I'm sure was very familiar with Trayvon Robertson, obviously, and it just made a lot of sense. So we'll, we'll find out, I'm sure, in the coming days if there's any Clayton White um, connection here, if it's just a matter. Of, hey, some sometimes coaches, it's like, hey, this is my guy I'm bringing in. Other times, it's, hey, you're both good dudes. You've never worked together before. So y'all will figure it out. And, uh, you know, I think certainly you're not going to see any issue at all with, um, with those guys, um, you know, clicking, I think, just based on what I know about those personalities. Brandon asking, did Travian start as a linebacker before joining the D-line? Not that I'm aware of, Brandon. If so, it would have been like in middle school. (laughs) I do remember Travian was a defensive end, I think. Yeah. And then kind of was one of those guys that you grew into a defensive tackle, if I remember
3: correctly, along the way. Yes, that, that is that is correct. If I'm recalling correctly, another guy that was in that class, Cliff Matthews, I think started out very early as a linebacker, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, Cliff gained a whole, whole bunch of weight, um, good weight, during his time at USC, ended up being 270 pounds or something. But no, Travian was a guy that um, I, I feel like in high school – might have been listed at 230 235 but you could tell he had the potential to just get to be a big dude which he definitely ended up being that.
2: Yeah, and um of course Melvin Ingram probably the best example of a linebacker that um grew his way into a defensive tackle and obviously had a man a phenomenal career in that role um but we'll start to probably get, I think, more feedback from recruits here in the next few days. That's something we'll be efforting, trying to get to you as far as um, you know their early impressions on him, and then we'll try to get some, uh, some reactions from their first times, talking to him or meeting with him as well. Uh, but uh, what is that, 5 o'clock tomorrow we will hear from him for the first time, Chris, press conference?
3: Yep, yep, I believe it's 5 o'clock. That's why I have coverage of it. Yeah,
2: all on GameCockCentral.com. So, Chris, let's, I guess, talk a little NFL draft. You had Cam Smith to Miami. You have Zach Pickens to the Bears. And you have uh, – let's start with kind of those big three we talked about, pretty much all leading up to the draft with Darius Rush then going to Indianapolis. Um, Were you surprised by – any of those picks, either in terms of team or where they were at on the board,
3: had zero expectations on team Wes, uh, flying completely blind on that. So I would say, with to to take those kind of in order, Cam Smith. It was not a huge surprise that he was, you know, what do you go fifty one overall. If you if it was kind of the gun to the head thing, I would have picked a little earlier, like maybe a little bit earlier, second round um but still made sense you know he was always kind of a if he went first round things would probably have to break the right way and it'd be like back half of first round it's a pretty good pretty deep corner class so going in the second round made a lot of sense for him um you look at Zach Pickens very first pick of the third round Wes I thought he'd maybe be late second at best somewhere in the third and who knows if you're in that range West, you can always go into the fourth. So, uh, if again, gun to head pick, I probably would have gone a little bit even lower for him in terms of draft. So I thought that was a great landing spot for him. Darius rush was the one that, you know, I thought would probably be top 100, but towards the back half of that, that's kind of where he was thought to be on a lot of teams boards. Um, but again, deep corner class. And so, Just depending on the flow of the draft and which teams are picking what and who's gotten off the board so far, uh, you can always slip. So he kind of slipped, quote-unquote, a little bit from where we thought he may go, but still not an overly shocking range or anything like that. I do know, Wes, that the uh, team that drafted him, the Colts, was told they had a third-round grade on him. And so that was a great value pick for them. You look at how they drafted too. You know, again, going back to just what teams need and, and where the board falls, the Colts had already taken a corner in the second round. Brent's from Kansas State. Then they took a receiver in the third round. Then they took an offensive tackle. And then Rush was there for the taking. So they snatched him up at that point. So a little bit, you know, I don't know. It's, it's always hard to be dead on, on a guy unless he's like, okay, he's going to be a top five, top ten pick. Even that can be misleading at times. So nothing – Hugely surprising in there. What about you?
2: No, I mean, it's it's obviously what, one of those things. What do you say, Chris?
3: Rush was the biggest. I mean, that was kind of surprising. Like I was a little surprised that he went fifth round, but it's understandable. I guess that's how I should put it.
2: Yeah, I you know I was sitting there thinking when he didn't go in the third and sort of tracking some of the teams that had picks in the fourth that had sort of been connected with him, I kind of thought he would go in the fourth. Uh, Obviously, that did not happen. And, you know, then you start to kind of wonder, like, all right, it's kind of weird. The draft, there's so many variables involved. You don't really know why it's going the way it is. But a a team that could have, have every intention to draft a guy At a certain spot, either a may have an opportunity to let's say one of those teams that drafted a cornerback early was planning to take rush if he was available in the fourth round, but then maybe there's a guy available in the third that they have with a second round grade and they say, well, wow, we didn't even know this guy was going to be available. We have to go ahead and fill this need here Um, or it could be something where they get to their fourth round spot and they're thinking about filling that cornerback need but the best available player as far as their evaluation is just too good to turn up in their opinion so it's kind of easy to look at it from like one player's perspective we're looking at it from like a Darius Rush perspective why was it fifth round instead of fourth every single one of those teams had to to make their decisions and they had to have their reasons as it went along, you know, so I don't know if we'll ever know exactly those reasons, but I, I thought the other picks made sense. I thought Cam, Cam actually went about dead where I sort of thought he belonged, honestly, kind of right on. Um I I thought Pickens did well for himself. Yeah. I, I think that was, that was a good spot for him. Um the Bears aren't a great team defensively, but I, I think they keep adding talent. And um, he'll have a chance to go play and make a name for himself there, I think. So first first pick of the third round. Um, you know, I think when Pickens made that decision last offseason to come back for another year at South Carolina, if you'd have said, hey, he's going to come back and he's going to be the first pick of the third round, then you'd probably say, he made the right decision all the way around. And um, you know, Craig saying a guy talking about Darius, six two, two hundred, long arms, four, three, seven, forty. Yeah, I I think if you're Indy, you probably do feel like you got to steal. And, you know, I, I'm sure there was some disappointment because there was a lot of thought that, you know, Darius was going to be off the board um, you know, internally in the third round. Well, if you'd have said – let's rewind two years ago, Chris. If you'd have said Darius Rush was going to go early fifth, um, way back then, you're signing for that every single time. If you're Darius Rush, if you're Gamecock (laughs) fans, if you're the coaches, we got to remember this is still a guy that's only played a couple of real years of DB at – any level above high school. Now, he did play some DB in high school, but he was playing everywhere at a small, small, small town high school. So, if the if I'm the Colts, i got to feel like there's probably still quite a bit of upside there to go.
3: Quite a bit of upside and a guy that you know will do everything he can to unlock that upside. You, you don't have to worry about uh, the off the field with Darius Rush or – the work ethic or anything like that. So certainly makes you feel better. And, you know, Zach Pickens, same way, man. I mean, just a a great guy. Uh, He continued hanging around the program as much as he could, Um, you know, even while he was preparing for the draft. And, Wes, I don't know if you caught what Beamer said about Cam Smith. I'm probably going to kind of butcher it, so I'm going to paraphrase it. But those videos that Gamecock Football put together on social media that they rolled out yeah, the, the ones that they rolled out as the guys were drafted, Beamer said something like, I, I've never been around a guy that I don't know if it was works as hard or plays as hard or is, enjoys the game as much as Cam Smith, you know, practice in the games. And I know those three options that I gave are all kind of different, but he, he gave him some high, high praise. And um, so clearly the coaching staff really likes what Cam Smith is about, too. By the way, Wes, I did a little research. So, According to Track, which they do a great job of uh, tracking wages for NFL players, uh, all the second and third round picks from day two sign or have to sign four-year agreements with the teams that draft them. And so this is from March 2023. Over the cap says the top second round picks. so whoever goes first in the second round, uh, they get four-year, eight point six eight million dollar contract with a three point eight seven million dollar signing bonus. The final pick in the second round is five point two four over four years, and a over one million dollar signing bonus. So, either way, you slice it, in between eight and a half to five and a half million dollars during the course of a contract is what you can expect for Cam Smith, and a signing bonus is almost certainly go going to go over a million dollars. So good for him. Life-changing money. Obviously, as you get into the third round, the fifth round, lower, those numbers are going to adjust. But these guys doing pretty well for themselves. So that's, that's good stuff.
2: Yeah, man. Throw uh, throw half of that money in a uh, brokerage account. Put it in some index funds and just be set for life. Great. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know they got bigger thoughts, you know. Like you're, you're rich now, but got to be a great feeling to just know if you wanted to, you could just save half that money and literally be set for the rest of the time you're alive.
3: Just so, ride it out, yeah,
2: yeah. Pretty, pretty awesome for those guys. Um, let's see, let's let's talk about a couple of guys that went late, Chris, or were uh, undrafted free agents. And, you know, man, I'll tell you what, it struck me, a guy we maybe should be talking about a little bit more as a steal would be Javon Gwen. And, yeah. um, you know, you want to talk about somebody else that the staff just loved up on as far as what they had to say about him and their video. Um, I think, Beamer, I'll butcher this too as well, but <laughs> – I think Beamer basically said if I had 100 Javon Gwens on my team, um, you know, I'd I'd be doing pretty well. And I, I think I knew this, Chris, but I think I had also forgotten it. Javon, as a redshirt freshman, did not start the first game of that season. He took over as a starter week two. And then he started every single game that the Gamecocks played, yep for the rest of that year and the next three,
3: yeah, pretty impressive
2: that is actually insane
3: that's like the a j can uh or even or probably even more, right
2: <laughs> yeah, as an offensive lineman i mean your yeah. your your hands are like smacking on someone for lack of a better way to say it, every single play. Yeah. How how do you not hurt some... How do you not break something somewhere along the way and have it... And, you know, miss a game? Yeah. Talk about reliability, dude. I, I know he was hurt by his size a little bit because it's not... It's not that ideal, prototypical NFL size. Yeah. But if I'm the Falcons, this this is a guy I'm willing to take a chance on in the last couple of rounds, you know?
3: Yeah. The, the, the height, you know, if he's a couple inches taller and maybe a little bit bigger um, in terms of weight, you know, you don't, you don't have to be that at the NFL, There certainly there's some smaller guys like at center who've been excellent at that level. But th- a lot of the scout centric people have said the same, you know, if he's a little bit bigger and helps him be a little bit more dominant, but, uh, he would be even more highly thought of, but this is a super smart guy, like you said, Wes. Forty-seven consecutive starts, which is just outstanding. Has the ability to play center if he wants. I know he did um, a little bit of that during Senior Bowl practice, um, so that's that's something to watch. Um, even there was even some thought, Wes, of doing that at South Carolina. He ended up sticking at guard, but he he just he's just super dependable. You use the word reliable. That's that's a great one. And um, another little tie in, Wes, another former seventh-round pick of the Atlanta Falcons was, of course, Travian Robertson. And I can see Javon Gwen being a coach one day. Hopefully he has a long, long NFL career as long as he wants. But, yeah, I think certainly a guy that's going to have an opportunity to stick because of how he conducts himself.
2: Yeah, I wonder if they won't slide him to center and see if maybe that's That's not a fit, man. I I think um, you can get away with being a little bit smaller there inside at center than maybe you can at guard. But we'll see. And, you know, seventh round is going to be a tough path. But certainly a guy I don't think you completely count out if you're South Carolina. Like I I, I would bet on this guy. So Jalen Brooks, the other South Carolina football player that was drafted, you got several other guys that will get – Opportunities with other teams as undrafted free agents. Nate Atkins to the Broncos, Josh Van to the Panthers, and oh, E-Doug, Eric Douglas, speaking of centers to Tampa Bay. Um, Chris, it seems the Panthers are stockpiling former Gamecock wide receivers at this point.
3: They are, man. They are. Um, the interesting thing about Josh, and we were talking about this earlier on the takeover on 107.5. Josh sat in with us for a Garnet Trust interview and mentioned during this process that talking to different teams, he was told that, hey, you might could come in and be our starting punt returner. You know, we need some help there. And so, hey, maybe some of those teams addressed that in free agency. Maybe they addressed it in the draft um, with somebody that they actually selected. But that is uh, kind of an ace card for Josh because he proved himself – at South Carolina to be very reliable in that regard. Obviously, he's got a nice skill set as a receiver, but that adds value to what he can do for you as a team. Interestingly, I think West uh, South or not South Carolina, the Carolina Panthers punt returner last season was another Gamecock alum and Shia Smith. So, might even be a little competition there um, in in training camp if Josh can stick around, you know, show what he can do, stay around long enough. He might be a guy that can get um, some run there and uh, get get a, get a nice look there at punt returner. Wes, I don't know if you mentioned Sherrod Green. Did you mention him?
2: Uh, not, not yet. He, he
3: also got a, a training camp or a, a rookie mini camp invite from the New York Jets. So one more player. There may have been some others since then, but those are the ones that we know about.
2: Yeah, we'll certainly be tracking and wishing, uh, wishing all those guys well, man um hey good group chris like good group of guys i feel like that they they went through a lot in their careers if you look back i mean going through a coaching change going through covid um you know Sharad, the injuries he dealt with josh van you know injuries he dealt with plus sort of not getting to do too much his first couple of years breaking out as a junior not having the numbers he wanted last year like really uh a good group of guys, I think, that you got to wish well and, and hopefully that will have um, – will find that spot and, and have a big NFL career ahead of them. Um, so, let's see. What else we got, man? So, transfer portal window has closed. There is, I guess, always a chance a guy or two – I think you've seen this throughout the day. There are some guys still kind of trickling into the portal. Um, because there's this rule that basically they just have to tell their school they want to transfer um, by the end of yesterday. The school has 48 hours to actually put them in the portal. Um, But I I say that to say, as this week progresses, I think Chris will actually have a pretty good idea of maybe the guys Carolina is like truly targeting in the portal – and maybe the guys they have a good shot with
3: yeah so this is just one part of it and there's several other parts remaining so guys can still trickle in because she said there's still some time for athletes to kind of trickle into the portal officially as the schools uh, officially put them in the transfer portal system so you got that but also west guys that are already in the portal that did get in during the window. Well, they're still considering schools. They're still going to take visits. I would anticipate South Carolina is going to be hosting some targets probably this week and maybe going down the road, advancing things with more than one guy. So you've got that to look for. And also keep in mind, again, broken record alert, undergraduates were the ones that had to be in the portal in that April 15th through April 30th window graduates can jump in at any time we saw them jump in before this window they can jump in after and there's some guys that West, depending on their um academic schedule they may there may be graduates out there that graduate sometime this summer and then if they're they want to jump in the portal they're allowed to so still plenty to track in terms of uh ncaa transfer portal
2: yeah and i feel like chris probably prudent if you're a if you're going to be a graduate who you're considering going in the portal, um, especially if you're relying on the you're relying on being a graduate to be able to go in and play right away, if you've transferred before, probably prudent to make sure you actually graduate before you enter that thing.
3: You know, like don't, Good idea. don't
2: rock the boat first, right?
3: Yeah. No, absolutely. You got to take care of business, get that done. Um, there have been players, Wes – in the past that have jumped in the portal and not had anywhere to go because they have not taken care of business in the classroom. So it's, it's a great point.
2: Yeah, definitely, man. Um, let's see. What else do we want to hit, Chris?
3: Let's hit baseball briefly. Um, and, and then let's go back to Travian for just a minute. So um, – because I've, I've got actually a piece idea on Gamecock Central on – the Travian hire that I want to flesh out a little bit by talking about it on the show. And that'll help. That'll help me write it. Uh, baseball real quick. Y- you didn't want, I'm going to steal your phrase. I believe you said this last week. Y- you didn't want to have that be a, uh, that's just baseball series. That's what you had. Um, in some ways, inexplicable, some bad luck, some didn't play well. And Wes, Now official, I think we can say, you finally had the injuries catch up with you. I mean, you just did. And the pitching has been outstanding for South Carolina. That finally was not the case in this series, um, especially in the early innings when Auburn jumped on South Carolina in a couple of the games. So a little bit of all those things, a little bit of that's baseball, a little bit of you didn't play very well, a little bit of injuries, but not – the the good news is, Wes, this isn't some series that South Carolina like had to win to make the postseason. You know, there have been years like that in the past where we you're sitting there going, okay, every game is absolutely critical because you have to win this series, this series. They're still in good shape. Uh, they do need to get healthy because I mean, go down and look through the schedule. It's tough to close out, and you want to put yourself in the best possible position for postseason play. They're getting closer to getting some guys back, it looks like. Uh, But they definitely have some questions um, in there, too. But I I just – I came away with it as a disappointing weekend, but not one that just crushes you.
2: Yeah, and, you know, man, they – a couple of different points. They actually made this point on the radio broadcast that, in some ways, Auburn's hitters actually kind of matched up a little bit better on their side than Florida's hitters did. Like, Florida – Florida was a very talented team and a bunch of like bashers guys that are gonna hit home runs and Carolina's pitchers uh you know don't really rely on power a ton like they're gonna get the ball down. Colin Taylor wrote a great article about how much they use sync and aren't just gonna overpower people well, Auburn's hitters a lot of them um now they they hit their share of home runs this weekend, but this is a team that is going to kind of grind out at bats not going to strike out a lot, going to put the bat on the ball. And they're going to find holes from time to time. And I, I think that was the case this weekend. Carolina's starting pitching just uh, was not good, frankly, not good enough. And um, they, they really put just put themselves – they were battling out of a hole the entire weekend, it felt like. Even on Sunday, they're battling out of a hole. And when your lineup – you know, this, this lineup went healthy. Actually, is probably, it's not ideal, but probably good enough yeah. to battle out of holes. But when I, when you look out there and your starting catcher is playing third base, that's, that's your sign, you know? <laughs> and that's your sign that some things have gone pretty wrong as far as injuries go. So, you know, I, I thought, I will say this, though, to put a positive side on it, winning on Sunday – Being down big again and battling back, yeah, we we look at these games and we look at these sort of – we look at SEC play as series, right, because it's these three-game series. But every win and every loss counts exactly the same. So, yeah, you wanted that series, but winning on Sunday as opposed to getting swept – um. You're gonna. You could look back on that and say that was absolutely massive for South Carolina because that that one win could be the difference at the end of the day in you know being a national seed. And so I think to battle back and do that was just very very impressive it, to me. And just it showed, was showed their guts.
3: It did, and and you could tell that that meant something to them. I mean, there was that clip going, going around of, of Monty Lee, who was at that point the head coach <laughs> because Kingston got tossed. Um, you know, so it was um, – it meant a lot, you know, with Tippett hitting his first homer in that situation, high leverage situation, Monty Lee jumping out of the dugout. I think this is, this is a scrappy group, and it hasn't all been easy because a lot of this great work they've done this year, Wes, has not been – with a fully healthy lineup. They've, they've just kind of won anyway, but there is there is an expiration date on that at some point. You can't just continue winning over and over, even against teams that aren't your best competition, having the injuries and some of the things that, that they've dealt with. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. They need to get healthy again, but I agree with you. But stealing that one on Sunday to salvage a game was big, and you could tell it meant a lot for the players because – I think they recognized that situation. They recognized that, hey, we're kind of up against it here. Things hadn't gone our way this weekend. We're banged up. We're bruised. But we still found a way to win that game. And, Wes, that could end up actually being kind of psychologically, mentally an important win for them.
2: Well, I think – so we had a question on here. Are they still in the top ten? Not only are they still in the top ten, they're still number three in the country, D1 baseball. Their record stands up overall with just about anybody. and. I think when when you sweep Florida the week before, you actually build up a little bit of you build up enough goodwill that you allow yourself a, a little bit of a setback there. And also, man, I'll say this, just uh kudos to Auburn. Like they came in, they played well. They're they found a little bit of momentum themselves. Now, it's a team that, you know, I guess wasn't that long ago was in Omaha themselves. So uh kudos to Auburn coming in and getting a big series win for them. That was impressive. SEC, you just never know, man. You uh, you got to grind it out every single week. Every, every week is a mountain to climb in this league. So South Carolina, final three weeks, doesn't stop here. You got a tennis – you got uh, what, Tennessee, Kentucky. Arkansas, um, Arkansas. <laughs> and Tennessee, which has struggled for a lot of the year. Is now the hottest team in the league, of course. So, of course, is, yeah, there's no yeah, it doubt that would happen easier at all. Uh, by the way, if you have not done your taxes yet, go do them. That is an order from GC Live or looking out for you 803 462 5576. Call our friends at Liberty Tax. Um, obviously, tax time has passed, but you're going to need to get an extension, you're going to need to get some things handled. Uh, but it's not it's not too late. You can get your situation with the IRS resolved. Our friends at Liberty Tax will help you out, 803-462-5576. Three convenient locations, Columbia, Lexington, and Armo. Again, that's 803-462-5576. Chris, as we close this thing out, um, you got a couple of additional thoughts on Travian?
3: Yeah, a couple quick things. I was kind of thinking in my head, Wes, what is the to-do list? you know, for Travian Robertson. And um, I think you can look at it short term and long term. And we'll, we'll kind of dive into this and go a lot deeper into all these things. But from a long-term standpoint, I think the one thing that you look at, this isn't just Travian, right? This is everybody. This is linebackers. This is perimeter DB play. Stopping the run and being better in that department is something that Shane Beamer and his staff, Clayton White, they're going to harp on. Um, So, Whatever contribution he can make to that cause, that's something that's going to be important. South Carolina's got to be a lot, lot better there than they were last season or the year before. And then in the short term, West, you mentioned this recruiting. You know, that's um, there are a lot of really good players out there in the twenty-four class to twenty-five class. Heck, a player that's uh, number one in the country in his class that South Carolina's had a good shot with is Elijah Griffin from Savannah. That's the kind of guy you got to quickly get. Uh, acclimated and and get to know Travian Robertson so I think from the short term hitting the road which he'll do hosting prospects I think that's kind of a short term uh, to-do list and and this timeline this quick turnaround will allow Robertson and the rest of the staff to do that very quickly
2: the quicker you can get Amari Adams and Elijah Griffin on campus to meet Travian Robertson the better uh, I think and I not that 2024 is going to be a lost cause by any means. Like There's still plenty of time, but they have in their recruiting footprint such good players at that position coming up. I think it's um, it's massive to get out there and, uh, and kind of make a move on some of those guys. And I, I do wonder, Chris, there's an in-state kid in uh, Marcus Downs who, to this point, South Carolina has had under-evaluation, but to this point has decided to not offer. So with with some new eyeballs, a different approach, a different coach, you know, maybe, and I'm completely speculating, but maybe that's a guy South Carolina could potentially circle back to as well with this 2024 group at, at that position too.
3: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Travian Robertson, thinking back to the Brad Lawing days, He was one of those guys that Lawing frequently mentioned. Travian, Devin Taylor, Cliff Matthews, eventually Clowney, talking about changing the DNA of the D-line. He talked about that as soon as he got to South Carolina. Lawing did. You know, Travian was one of those guys. And certainly, you look, South Carolina's got some impressive D-tackles on this roster. But I'll have to wonder if Travian Robertson takes a look at the measurables of Marcus Downs and says, ooh. I kind of like that. I, c- I can work with that.
2: Well, you know, Lawing, if it was an in-state guy that had the, the right traits, he was going to take a chance on them. And not all those guys worked out, but certainly some of them did. And th- that was that was one thing that one of the guys I talked to about Travian had pointed out, Chris, is that he got a track record of taking some of the lesser recruited guys at Georgia State that he inherited and turning them into really productive players. Now, obviously, at South Carolina, you're going to want to go get the four- and five-star guys. We've seen Carolina's recruiting take a step up, I think, and especially if they're in your recruiting blueprint, you want to go get the Amari Adams of the world. But this is a state where that's a position. There's always guys coming out that uh, that can play and have the ability, the upside, to play down the road. So uh, that'll be fun to watch. That'll be interesting to watch. Um, think that's it man what you think
3: yeah man we've been uh we've been 51 minutes let's let's save some material for another day too
2: we'll save it for later this week of course tuesday you got talking tuesday nights with mike Yuva. be on the lookout for that probably get the foul balls guys at some point talking carolina baseball i don't know what their plan is for that yet but i'm sure they'll hop on at some point uh, for chris i'm wes and uh, we'll talk to y'all soon
1: In Kansas, 1 877 770 Stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1 800 Gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1 800 522 4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call 800 327 5050 for 247 support in Massachusetts or call 1 877 8HOPE.